Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, Uzziah's heart is lifted up to his destruction. It shall be focused on a study of 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Before we go any further, we begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we read this scripture, admiring the beginnings of Uzziah, young man who feared God and served you, Lord, with all his heart, as he was taught by Zechariah, but Father, we see here how he, he got, you see, he was strengthened because of his following in your footsteps. But he got hearty and lifted up and Father wanted to take on responsibilities that were not his. And here he was, Lord, in rage against your anointed ones when they were trying, Lord, to advise him of what your statutes taught. Help us, Father, to never be and we see how sad his demise was. But Father, help us to be humble enough, Lord, to respect your way of doing things. So we know you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you have a way in which you operate. And help us to be sensitive to that. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Chapter 26. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines, and brake down the wall of Gath, and the wall of Jabna, and the wall of Ashdod, and built cities about Ashdod, and among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines, and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gobael, and the Mahunims. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Isaiah, and his name spread abroad, even to the entering in of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Moreover, Isaiah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, and at the valley gate, and at the turning of the wall, and fortified them. Also he built towers in the desert, and digged many wells. For he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains, husbandmen also, and vine dressers in the mountains, and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. Moreover, Isaiah had an host of fighting men, that went out to war by bands, according to the number of their account, by the hand of Jael, the scribe, and Maaseah, the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of Valor were 2,600, and under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,500, that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Isaiah prepared for them throughout all the host, shields and spears and helmets and habergeons and bows and slings to cast stones and he made in jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bullocks to shoot arrows and great stones withal and his name spread far abroad for he was marvelously helped till he was strong but when he was strong 
his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God, and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king, and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth, and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord, from beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest, and all the priests, looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death, and dwelt in a several house, being a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord, and Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Isaiah, first and last, did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, write. So Isaiah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial which belonged to the kings. For they said, He is a leper. And Jotham his son reigned in his stead. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Influence. This was preached in 1964 on March the 15th. We'll begin at paragraph 55 up to paragraph 113. I trust you find it to be a blessing. I want to speak on the subject of influence. Now you know there's somebody that you're influencing. Your life is a written epistle read of all man. Therefore, if your life isn't according to your testimony, uh, or your testimony according to your life, rather, then there's, you're putting a stumbling block in somebody's way, or somebody is watching you. Some little child is watching his mother, watching his dad. Here some years ago, I read a little article around Christmas that was, sir, did warm my heart with grief when a, a, a fellow had been out and was a good man. He didn't, he didn't drink really, but he, he'd been out around Christmas and visiting his colleagues. And they all said to him, said, John, have a little, just a little drink. And from house to house, he, he got too much. And he had to go back home and crossing the park. He, his little boy was with him and he, he missed the little boy and turned around and looked. And the little boy was just going from one side to another. And the dad waited till the little boy got to him. He said, why are you going all over the park. Son, what makes you walk like that? He said, Daddy, I'm trying to walk in your footsteps. That's right. The man picked up the little boy and sat down, tucked the little fellow in his arms. He said, God, you forgive me. I want to walk straight so my son behind me will walk straight. That's what we want to do as Christians. We want to walk like Christians, live like Christians, talk like Christians. Many years ago, when they used to have slavery in the South, they down Kentucky and Alabama and down where I come from, they used to take the colored and auction them off at the, at the auction block, just like you'd have used cars or something. Uh, I believe no man's to be a slave. God made man and man made slaves. 
And they used to come by and buy them just like you would buy a used car, get a bill of sales and so forth. That was a terrible thing. So they, one day there was a buyer come by, to a broker, to an old plantation that had uh, many slaves. And he said, how many slaves you got? Oh, I said, around 150 out there, I guess. Said, Could I go out and look over them? He said, sure, help yourself. So he went out to look over the, the slaves. And when he looked around, he noticed them fellows always. They were sad. They, the Boers brought them over from Africa and unloaded them in Cuba out there. And then sent them over here in the south and sold them for slaves. And they know they never go back home. They know that they never see their father and mother no more, their children, husband, wives, and so forth. They were, they were a victim of circumstance that they didn't make themselves. And here they was, away from home and sad, and sometimes they'd have to take whips and whip them, just like they do uh, beast, cattle, and ox, and horses, and things. And then they, um, they make them work. And this, uh, they noticed, this young broker notices one of those young slaves, they didn't have to whip him. My had his chin up, his shoulders back, and he was really right on the mark all the time. They didn't have to be doing anything to him. He had the job done. So the owner of the slaves said, uh, the broker said to this uh, owner, said, I'd like to buy that slave. He said, oh, no, he's not for sale. He said, well, why ain't he for sale? Said, what, uh, you, said, what, are you, what makes him that way? He said, uh, is he the boss or the rest of them? He said, oh, no, he's a slave. Said, do you feed him different than you do the rest of them? He said, no, they all lay out in the galley together. Said, he's just a slave. He said, well, what makes him act different than the rest of them? Said, you know, I often wondered that too till I found out that over in the homeland in Africa where they come from, his father is the king of the tribe. And yet he's an alien far from home, but he knows he's a son of a king and he acts like it. Oh my, what are Christians to do? We're sons and daughters of the King. Though we are aliens, let's act like sons and daughters. Women, let your hair grow out. Quit wearing them clothes that you wear, immoral and things. Man, get back to where a man ought to be. Don't act like sons and daughters of God. You're an alien here. But remember, we're sons of the King. See, that influence that man had upon the rest of them. His morale kept the rest of them's hopes high. We find out that this uh, King Uzziah was a shepherd boy in the days of Isaiah, the prophet. Isaiah was a prophet. Prophets are born. They just not laying their hands on them and making them prophets. They are born, foreordained of God. Gifts and callings are without repentance. There's a, a gift of prophecy in the church, and it must be judged by three people before the voice should ever be heard amongst the congregation. But um, that's just a gift of prophecy. But a prophet is absolutely ordained with thus saith the Lord from childhood up. And Isaiah was a prophet of the Lord, and he had uh, been taken to the temple. And he had, uh, this uh, Uzziah, this young shepherd boy, was a, a great influence upon this young prophet. Because Uzziah in 2 Chronicles 26 tells us that he became king of Israel when he was just 16 years old. His father Hazza died and he took his place to rule as it was a custom that the, the son um, uh, succeeded the, the king. And they took and made him king when he was just 16 years old. And his father Uzziah 
as I was, was a great man. Uh, he was a, a, a godly man. And having this godly parent, uh, it made him do the thing that was right because he was influenced by his father. See, today, how can you expect that what we ain't going to have more Oswalds and Jack Rubies? Look at, I left my motel a while ago in such a drunken mess of a bunch of Californians out there laying out there and women stripped naked out on that. Uh, there was just a little bit of strap around them or something other out there and man drinking whiskey on, on ice and stuff and carrying on falling around the pools. How can you expect their children? Young ones there in the yard playing around, be anything but an Oswald or something like that. It's the influence that's put before them. Oh, America's rotten to the core. She's going to reap what she sowed. But just God cannot let her get by with anything else. You say, you and I certainly am American. On the fields in Germany and Japan, these American graves marked all, all through there. My people, Branham's. And if I had to go, I'd give my life for it. But let me tell you something. We need a stirring, this nation does. The things that we once had, we've lost. And we're trying to live up on a reputation of what somebody else done. We'll reap for it. God made Israel a people after his own heart. He made them reap. And we'll reap too for what we're doing. We have nothing else in front of us but reaping. We've crossed the line of grace and mercy. And nothing else left but a reaping. Mark that in your Bibles. I'm an old man. But you mark that down and find out whether that isn't true or not. Maybe when I'm gone and on and on, you'll find out that those words are true. We're going to get it. We're weighed in the balance and found wanting. And there's no way out. Right. right? We've done cross that line. You've got to reap what you sow every time. So this uh, young fella was such an influence upon this. Uh, the young king was an influence on, on uh, the young prophet. And uh, he leaned upon the arm of this prophet because it, he, uh, he knowed he was a prophet and he had him right with him all the time. And uh, to draw his influence from his visions and so forth from God to know how to conduct his kingdom. And it made him a great man. He ignored the politics of that day and the popular opinions and served God with a true heart. That's the kind of a president we need. That's the kind of a, a leader we need over the people of any nation, anywhere. His kingdom was next to Solomon's. There was nothing. God just blessed him and held back no blessing because he served him. And this was a great help to young Isaiah because that he seen how God would bless them that was true to his word. No matter how difficult it was, stay true to that word. And it's an example today also to us to stay true to the word. And it had a great influence upon him. Now, he planted vineyards and he was a herdsman. And he had all kinds of herds and vineyards. If you want to read in Second uh, Chronicles 26 there in different places of the scripture that speaks of uh, Uzziah. He was a great man. He, he loved the outdoors. and Such a fine fella. God blessed everything he'd done. He just prospered and went right on. And no nations bothered him. They was afraid of him. And be because he served the Lord God that was with him. Not because he's afraid of his military force, but he's afraid of the God that he served. That ought to be our memorial. Our God, we trust, it says on our dollars. But I wonder sometimes. Now, but this all happened. And 
It shows here an example I'd like to draw from this this afternoon to show that how God can bless a man and, and make him a great man. But, you know, when this king got, uh, uh, felt secure, felt to a place that it, he was just absolutely anchored and there's no way for him to ever fall, got lifted up in pride. That's when he took his tumble. That's when any man will take his tumble. I think that's what's the matter with a lot of our peoples today. We get lifted up. I think that's what causes organizations to do what they do. They get a better class of what they call a more intellectual, better class of people, they think. Man, they're all their ministers of high school and college education, two or three years of psychology, give them mental tests, brain waves, and everything to see if they fit the case and sometimes know more about God than a rabbit does about snowshoes. That's right. Yeah. Right. That mental has nothing to do with it. It's a power of the Holy Ghost. It's not in your mind. It's in your heart. Right. But uh, see, we get then to get lifted up. Our, we go to the best church in town. We belong to the first church. We belong to where the mayor goes. We belong to this and all these things there. See what it is? Then the people just simply can't stand to hear that. They just think that you're just, just a terrible person. But what it is, there's no place for the seed to anchor. There's nothing for it to lay on. It's rock. It'll never take hold. The birds fly around, pick it up, the Bible said. But when this king got lifted up and felt secure, he got lifted up in pride. I notice a lot of times we find even people, evangelists, get to a spot where many of them has been accused of things that maybe some of it is true, of drinking and so forth. What it is, I think they build a little kingdom around them and think them people love them so well. There's no way at all for that. Then people, they can just do anything they want to, and those people overlook it. The people might, but what about God? That's where we fail to see it's God is the one doing the looking. God knows it. When you see truth and light and reject it, God knows what you've done. You'll never go no further until you come right back to that spot again. Amen. You can't cross over that. You've got to come right back to where you left off. He got so lifted up into his mind and and got so self-secure and everything, so much that he tried to take a minister's place. He tried to go in and offer incense, as we know in the Bible, to burn incense, which was only for a Levite to do it, a priest that was anointed for that job. He tried to take his place. And here we have an influence of this king to let people know that this carnal impersonation of each other today, it's not of the Lord. You're not ordained to such things. You'll never take another man's place and another man can't take your place. Find where your place is and abide there. See, he thought, well, uh, I bless God, I'm a king and the Lord has been good to me. I can do this. I've got this. This is my ministry. To come to find out that in his uh, going on like that and tried to go over, step over what God was blessing him at. If you're a good lay member, be a good lay member. If you're a good housewife, or God's blessed you as a housewife and made you loyal and true, sister, you just continue to be that. Don't get thinking you God called you to be a preacher or, or deacon or something else. And, and you do the same, man. Wherever God has blessed you, there abide. Because that's where he's set you at. You do just what he tells you to do and see where he blesses you. But don't ever try to step in. That's a, that's a grassroots of Pentecost. When Mrs. McPherson, as I was reading her book, I didn't, I wasn't a minister in her days, and 
They said when she'd walk out on the platform of these like wings, you know, or, you know, kind of a robe like that, every lady preacher wore the same thing. Every one of them carried her Bible the same way Miss McPherson. Did you ever listen to these radio programs? Every fella, Lord bless you, real good fella, a Billy Graham. It's carnal impersonations. I was reading the, uh, the history of Martin Luther, and the history said it wasn't so much of a mystery that Martin Luther could protest the Catholic Church and get by with it, but to hold his head above all the fanaticism that followed his revival. Yeah. That's right. Hold yourself clean and clear to your calling. Stay with God's Word and don't move for nothing. Stay, abide in your calling. If He give you a job out there as a farmer, farm good. God bless you at it and pay your tithes and whatever it is, your offerings to help the ministry go on. If He made a mechanic out of you and blessed you in that work, stay with it and thank Him for it. You just abide where God calls you. We find here an influence. And then when He was tried to be corrected, the minister ran after Him and said, Say, wait a minute, you wasn't called for that. Oh, did He get angry? Why, he was ready to have his head cut off. See, there's another thing we have to know. No matter how much God's blessed you, you haven't got no right to rebuke the anointed of the Lord or say anything against them. Amen. Right. God is the one to take care of that. They need any rebuke, and that's his children. You let them alone. You're not supposed to do that. See, and when you, you tell people of their sins and tell them they're doing wrong, come out. Don't just try to get to heaven on an organizational system or something. My goodness, they, they, they want to blow up, they, they want to find fault with you, they won't, they won't even sit and listen at you. Get up and go out and ill-mannered and just act anyway. You see, that goes to show the first place poor raising. Home manners, certainly does. But we find out that this guy taking this attitude and doing the thing he did, what happened to him? The Lord struck him with leprosy right there in the building. And what's leprosy the type of sin? Unbelief. There's no other sin but unbelief. He that believeth not is condemned already. And sin is the only unbelief there is. I was preaching one time in a Methodist church and I said, Smoking cigarettes is not a sin. Committing adultery is not a sin. Taking the Lord's name is not sin. Too much for one sister. She raised up and said, Pray tell me, Reverend Branham, what is sin? I said, Unbelief. You do those things because you do not believe. Exactly. The reason you refuse to walk in the light of the word is because you disbelieve the word. That makes you an unbeliever. A fellow said to me, he said, I wouldn't care how many cases you could show and how many cases the doctor could show of different healings. He said, I do not believe in healing. It's not so. I said, certainly it wasn't sent to unbelievers. It was only sent to those who believe. It's only for believers. He said, he that believeth, all things are possible. Not him that unbeliever. One speck of unbelief against the Word of God and you'll stay out of the kingdom of heaven. It took Eve out. It caused all this trouble. Once, just to pervert the Word, just a little bit, you've got to stay straight with it, what it says. Now we find out this man got all haughty and puffed up and his face got red. He'd turn around and tell them priests. And first thing you know, he broke out with leprosy. Right there in his rage, he was smitten. He never did get over it. What? Disbelieving the word of God that was trying to be told to him. As a real example in that, notice, he was he disbelieved and in his anger, he was smitten with leprosy and died out in his own home, was never permitted to the kingdom anymore, the king's place. His son had to take his place and, and help the best they could and he was left like that until he died. Now, 
You see, he never did recover. Jesus said one word against it will never be forgiven. The word. Neither in this world are the world that is to come. It's unpardonable. So you see why the world is ready for judgment? The great evangelists and things that's covered the earth with the gospel, been laughed at, made fun of, everything else, there's nothing left. There's no way for it to ever come back. They blasphemed the Holy Ghost and made fun of it and everything else. And, they, and they, there's no way for it to ever come back. It's got to be paid for. There's no way out of it. God's just. It would be against his justice, be against his, his, his being, what he is. As you get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this scripture is an excellent example of how you are not a respecter of persons and how, Lord, you are God with principles and statutes and judgments and you do not compromise on your word. So, Father, may you help us to be respectful of the word that you've given us and to recognize, Lord, that to obey it is life and to do the opposite is death. So, Father, Give us a reverence of thy word and of thy spirit and of thy anointed ones. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
Adilene. 